Welcome to the BSN Nuggets podcast presented by In We Go, Denver's best subscription that allows you to go to as many events as you can for only 39 bucks a month, no additional costs or fees. You heard that right. No additional fees, literally hundreds of events for $39 a month. For instance, over the next few weeks, you could hit up the big, wonderful beer fest, Jeff Diet Comedy Works. They've got Taps and Tails, Jay Balvin at the Pep Center, Indie Card Haunted House, literally something for everyone. Guys, we're talking concerts, beer tastings, food fests comedy shows, 5Ks, really anything else that you can imagine that's going on in Denver, there's a good chance that In We Go can get you in. So here's where it gets good for BSN listeners. We've partnered with In We Go to give you guys a great deal. If you go to inwego.com backslash BSN or download the app for free and use promo code BSN50 when you subscribe, you're going to get 50% off your first month. That's right. All events in Denver for under 20 bucks during your first month. If you try it, I guarantee you, you're going to fall in love with it. So again, go to inwego.com backslash BSN or download the app for free and use promo code BSN50. Welcome in to the BSN Nuggets podcast presented by Inwego. Joined by a special guest, Mason Plumlee. I thought he was going to knock that ref out in L.A. <laughs> Coaches will get testy with officials, but to run out onto the court and yeah. cut him off, yeah. I've never seen that before. You should have taken a charge on him. That <laughs> a special guest, Darrell Arthur. When did you first realize Nicole Jokic was good? He was in Philadelphia for Jameer's kind of like team bonding thing, and I knew it right away that he was going to be good. He was making great passes and good reads and stuff like that, and I said, this kid's going to be good. He's turned out to be a star. He has a great upside to him, and I know he'll be a Hall of Famer once he's done playing. And now, here's your hosts, Harrison Wind and Christian Clark. As always, BSN Nuggets podcast presented by In We Go, the subscription that can get you into almost any event in Denver. Harrison Wind, alongside Christian Clark, Thursday edition of the show. We're recording today down in Lodo at Sports Column on the corner of Blake and 20th, the corner of Blake and 19th. Not sure which one it's exactly closer to, but just a few blocks from Coors Field. Great spot to watch all your sporting events. going to be a great spot for Nuggets games this upcoming season. I'm currently sitting between a Chauncey Billups jersey and a Danilo Gallinari jersey. So we need to get some Nicole Jokic jerseys up in here, but uh, Sports Calm is a great place for sure. Great beers, great food selection as well. I'm sitting across the table from Christian Clark, as always. Hey, Harrison. <laughs> um, so, you know, as we were watching everything unfold yesterday on the Twitter sphere, we now know the answer to the question, what was the saddest dap in human history? The answer to that question is the dap that Andrew Wiggins gave Jimmy Butler after he just wrecked him with the third stringers at Timberwolves practice yesterday, according to reports. What do you think video of Wednesday's practice at the Timberwolves facility could go for on the open market? I don't know, but I imagine Jimmy Butler hollering at Tibbs and GM Scott Layden looked a lot like Denzel Washington at the end of training day. <laughs> you know, I imagine like, you know, he's yelling at them, without me, you guys be playing ball in Pelican Bay or something like that. I'm pretty sure the video crew the the uh what whatever the official title is for an nba team video coordinator for the timberwolves is getting hit up by tmz and all the paparazzi outlets out there offering him thousands and thousands of dollars for the videotape of wednesday's practice i mean it's either keep your job if you're him or 
become a make a quick buck. Yeah, we need an NBA version of hard knocks. Mm. Uh, I mean, we need NBA hard knocks during training camp. Yeah. God, that would be that would be must see TV. My God. I mean, I can see why an NBA team wouldn't do it, and I would hope HBO pays these NBA teams or NFL teams out the ass for hard knocks because I don't see many advantages to doing it if you're an actual team. The Lakers would have been the most obvious candidate this year, right? Just a weird cast of characters. I mean, LeBron has already worked with HBO for his barbershop show. The Lakers, yeah. yeah I, could have seen a, I could have seen you know, a miniseries about the Lakers and HBO this year. If you got the right team, if you got the Lakers, if you got the Timberwolves and you were lucky enough to get them in a preseason where something like this happens, yeah, it'd be special. So what do you think happens with this Jimmy Butler thing? Because does Wednesday's episode accelerate the timeline here or does it decelerate it? Well, you know, you, the natural reaction for Tom Thibodeau, you'd, you'd think was horrified, but I'm pretty sure that Tom Thibodeau loved it, right? I that mean, was the weirdest detail, or that might have been the most overlooked detail from what happened Wednesday. I forget whose piece it was in, if it was something Chris Haynes reported or The Athletic, or Jimmy Butler even kind of said it in his one-on-one sit-down with Rachel Nichols, which was the tell we all needed uh, to know that this whole thing was orchestrated from the beginning. Convenient of ESPN to be in Minnesota a couple hours after this whole thing goes down, but Tom Thibodeau was apparently excited by what he saw. He was apparently invigorated by what he saw. He thought this was the best Timberwolves practice all preseason based on uh, a couple of reports. And I don't know, maybe now this gives him some ammo to take back and say, man, maybe we can hold on to Jimmy Butler if we're going to get more practices like this. The way Jimmy orchestrated his return was just masterful i mean unbelievable execution and i saw some people say like oh well this is a lot lamer now that i know that this was all preordained rachel nichols is already in minnesota it wasn't for me because you know why rachel nichols wasn't out there playing point guard with the third stringers helping jimmy butler (laughs) kick the starter's ass jimmy butler still had to go out there and do it and by all accounts he did you know and if you're carl anthony towns i mean you just got to punk him, right? Like, you got to take him down on the post, lead with your elbow, and just go up for a couple of hooks. You cannot afford to, to be made look weak in any way. He, you know, the reporting that came out was he, he didn't really say a whole lot to Butler during the scrimmage or afterwards. And then, you know, after Butler left the practice, he huddled his teammates up and said, like, we got to keep our emotions in check, guys. Like, that seems like the absolute wrong way to play this. Like, if there ever there was a time to just, you know, go m- – man versus man and you know use your size to your advantage this was it i'm on the minnesota timberwolves depth chart right now on espn here's the third string that jimmy butler beat the starters with are you ready i'm going to formulate this team in real time jimmy butler keita bates diop (laughs) keita bates drop the second round pick james nunnally who i think is a training camp invite C.J. Williams, who played last season on a two-way deal for the Clippers, and Josh Okogie. That's the Timberwolves' third string right there. Definitely the most memorable day of James Nunnally's life to date. Yeah, James Nunnally. I don't know. Nice, uh, nice three and D wing. Six foot seven out of UC Santa Barbara. Twenty-eight years old. Yeah, definitely the most notable uh, practice day for him. Well, all this Minnesota Timberwolves drama has unfolded over the last month. It's hard not to contrast it with 
how good things seem with the Denver Nuggets right now. I mean, Timberwolves and Nuggets, two teams that both play in the Northwest Division. You know, they have multiple young stars each. And things could not be better in Denver. I mean, while the Timberwolves were lobbing shots at each other on social media last month, the Denver Nuggets were playing spike ball before practice. And we've seen the video surface of the Nuggets trying to cram as many guys into one cold tub as possible. The Nuggets just seem to really like each other, enjoy playing with each other. And, you know, I, I don't think the progress that the Nuggets have made, you know, building a good culture over the last three, three and a half years um, should go unnoticed or unsaid. You know, I think that was one of the things that I struggled to grasp when I first started covering this team at the start of the 2016-17 season, how bad things were just a year, a year and a half before that. Um, you know, three and a half years ago, the Nuggets broke out of a huddle by saying, one, two, three, six weeks. They were all ready to go on vacation. And since that point, you know, Tim Connolly, Arturis, Karnasovas, and Mike Malone have really had to knock this thing down, you know, to the foundation and start anew. And now you have something that is really fun and looks good. Um, I mean, they've done a great job of just completely um, rebuilding the culture here. Definitely. And I think the most important thing, which you kind of alluded to there, to hit on is how did we get here? Because you're right, when... Tim Conley, when this regime took over, the Nuggets were not in a good place. If you think about the guys in the locker room, think about what just happened in those first couple seasons where uh, that Conley took over for. And I really get the feeling, and I mean, I just don't get the feeling, but from talking to people, this is definitely true. The Nuggets put a premium on rebuilding the culture after, well, not after Conley's first couple seasons, but right when he got the job and right when he started in Denver. And that was definitely reflective in hiring Michael Malone, a huge culture setter. And it's definitely been reflective of the guys the Nuggets have brought in. So for me, it's a two-pronged approach, what the Nuggets have done over the last five years. Michael Malone is a huge part of it, setting a self-motivating culture on the practice court making it a place where guys want to come and get work in and just fostering a culture of guys who want to be around one another. But it's also been the players that the Nuggets have brought in, hardworking guys who are high-character guys, uh, who are good guys on and off the court that can set an example for others to follow. So in part, it's Michael Malone. In part, it's Tim Connolly and the guys he's brought into this organization to build around. Yeah, a lot of guys who just have a genuine joy for the game of basketball. I mean, Jamal Murray is a worker. Gary Harris is a worker. Will Barton, I mean, Michael Malone has said before that in 30 years he expects Will Barton to be playing pickup in a, in a gym in Baltimore, you know, even when he's an old man and not getting any more money. That dude just loves playing the game of basketball. Paul Millsap, another worker. You know, Nikola Jokic just plays the game with with such joy, I guess that's the word I keep going back to. But yep. these guys are, are fun guys to play the game with. And, you know, Nuggets are, have really benefited from that, bringing those types of players in. Yeah, and you've seen that on the court, reflective in the style of play that the Nuggets have demonstrated over the past couple of years around Nicole Jokic. Now, you've created this great culture. That's awesome. You've developed a 
environment on the practice court in the weight room where guys want to come in and just be there and you know are hard working in nature that's all awesome you got to win now right oh yeah like you can create this awesome culture everybody you know loves to be around one another guys hang out off the court guys go to atlanta and work out at paul Millsap's facility in a voluntary mini camp weeks before training camp guys are on the pepsi center practice court weeks before they're even supposed to be there that's awesome but now you got to win now you got to turn that into winning basketball and Nuggets have done that to an extent under Michael Malone, going from 30 wins when he took over to 46 wins last year. But you still got to take that next step, right? Yeah, I mean, if they don't make the playoffs this year, they're going to have to retool. I mean, I would just expect changes, um, you know, the roster and in other places as well. That's just the reality of the situation when you don't make the playoffs for a sixth straight season. And, you know, I, I know... Tim Connolly hasn't been here the full six years. Arturis hasn't. This is only going to be Michael Malone's fourth season. But, yeah, it's, it's time to take the next step. They've, they've taken incremental steps every year of the Michael Malone era, and it's time to take the next one, you know, go for 50-plus wins, make the playoffs, because, you know, this, this team has this offensive identity, and the one thing we know about the playoffs is your flaws really get held up under the microscope and the Nuggets are going to see what they truly have if they're able to make it in this year and see like, hey, you know, how much better do we need to become on the defensive end to actually make playoffs runs going forward? We got a couple questions to get to on the Total Beverage Fan Hotline. We'll get to those on the other side of this break. We'll be right back. Hey, BSNers, just a quick reminder that annual subscriptions at bsndenver.com right now are only 25 bucks for the entire year if you use promo code BSN25. Yes, that means unlimited access to Denver's best sports coverage for a year for only 25 bucks. That comes out to 208 per month. Stop reading the blogs and ditch the dying newspaper. Yikes. And join the family at BSN Denver today with promo code BSN25. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to the BSN Nuggets podcast presented by Inwego, the subscription that can get you into almost any event in Denver. Harrison Wind here alongside Christian Clark, Thursday edition of the show, recording today at Sports Column here in downtown Denver. Make sure to check those guys out if you're in the area, if you're looking for a place to watch your favorite sporting events. Without further ado, we got three questions to get to on the Total Beverage Fan Hotline, covering a bunch of different topics. Everything from some notes on this last Clippers game about the defense to how the Nuggets are going to play with their starters versus how they're going to play with their bench. Also a question about Vlako Chanchar. If you have a question about Vlako Chanchar, that's definitely a good way to get on the show. <laughs> so let's go to the Total Beverage Fan Hotline right now. Yeah, this is uh, Jay from uh, Castle Rock. I love your show here. i got a couple of questions uh, for you that you maybe can uh, address here. Uh, one, after watching some of the uh, preseason, um, kind of want to get your thoughts on uh, how you – feel uh, on the defensive end and, and also on the offensive end, uh, some of the mismatches that we can create and also uh, they can create against us at the small forward position, um, you know, with our lack of size there. Second question is, is um, kind of the differences between the um, starters and the bench unit and the different offensive um schemes that they run between the two and how they're going to be able to mesh those. Um, you get the uh, starters there where they're running more of a Jokic ball, and then on the bench, they're running more of a, a point traditional point guard set, 
uh, with uh, less dribble handoffs uh, and more of a pick and roll um, type situation with uh, Plumley and uh, Morris currently. Uh, thank you, and uh, looking forward to hearing more of the show. All right, thanks for the question, EJ. And yeah, the defense against the Clippers was bad. Nuggets have always gotten killed by Boban and by Montrezl Harrell, actually, who's low-key like a modern-day version of Kenneth Fareed, maybe just a younger version of Kenneth Fareed. But those guys have always given the Nuggets trouble. Here's what I'll say about the defense. We've made a lot of judgments and takeaways from this preseason. I wrote a big thing about how good this Nuggets bench has been with a lot of video that you can check out on bsndenver.com right now. I will caution you guys, and I'll even caution myself, not to take too much away from this preseason, especially when it comes to the starters, because I don't think it's tough to look at that Clippers game and look at that Perth game, and even at some points during that Lakers game, and to come away and say that I don't think the starters are taking it as seriously as they would a regular season game. So I wouldn't just look at that Clippers game and how the Nuggets got killed by the Clippers front court and say, yeah, there's been no improvements made to what they've done on the defensive. And I thought there were some decent moments there, especially in pick and roll coverage, how you could tell, hey, the Nuggets are playing more aggressively in the pick and roll. They're getting up the four, Jokic, Plumlee, Millsap. They're, you know, hedging and being aggressive, getting into passing games and you know, trying to force turnovers and, and disrupt the offense. But I wouldn't say, yeah, they got killed by the Clippers front court this Nuggets defense has not made any strides. Uh, I would temper your takeaways and observations just from what we're seeing this preseason. Yeah, I would agree with that generally. I mean, the centers the Nuggets have faced in the preseason have feasted. JaVale McGee had 17 and an 8 of 10 shooting, followed that up with 15 and 5 of 8 shooting. And then Boban obviously went for 14 and 12 in just 15 minutes. You know, I think a lot of that stems from the fact that the Nuggets really – struggle defending the pick and roll um, I think over at times over really the last two years Michael Malone has, has kind of been at wit's end about what's the best way you know to utilize Nikola Jokic defending the pick and roll I think for the most part the Nuggets have had him play pretty soft just kind of sag back in the paint and you know kind of play halfway between the roller and the ball handler and you know the few times they have tried to make Jokic, you know, kind of aggressive and jump out in the pick and the roll. It hasn't worked out great for them. What I am really curious to see this year with their pick and roll coverage is, you know, can they allow Jokic to be more aggressive because he's got Paul Millsap back there as the second line of defense. We saw in that first quarter, Paul Millsap had three blocks alone in the first quarter, and he was cleaning up some of his teammates' mistakes. You know, the Nuggets were really hamstrung last year when, when Millsap went down because – they didn't really have anybody that was that good second line of defense player when Jokic got sucked in those pick and rolls. But yeah, I mean, it's still too early to tell if there's going to be progress or if they're going to be worse this year. I, I'm still on board that I think they're going to be a little bit better actually def defensively than they were last year. They finished 23rd, but I'm, I'm really curious to see how, how they use Jokic defending pick and rolls this year. Right. Well, with NBA.com's adjusted defensive rankings, they were, what, 23rd in defense? Yep. And that's only, like, one stop away per game from being in the top 20. That's an easily attainable goal to be a top 20 defense. You don't have to be a great defense to be top 20. You've got to be a great elite defense to be, like, top five. But 
you can be a totally average defense, maybe even a little below average, and still be in the top 20. You know, that's not an unattainable goal by any means. And I think that's very realistic for the Nuggets to be a top 20 defense this season. You saw us against the Clippers, but the Nuggets are getting Jokic up the floor, like I was saying. Mike Malone had a really interesting quote at practice last week, or I think even earlier this week it was, how over the past couple years, they've tried to play pick and rolls two on two. And Nicole Jokic is not comfortable with that. He's not comfortable sacking back and just having the likes of James Harden Damian Lillard, all these great playmaking guards, Russell Westbrook just blitzing him head on with a full head of steam. He's actually more comfortable, Michael Malone has said, getting up the floor and being aggressive. So that's what they're trying to do. Obviously, he's got to stay out of foul trouble. Obviously, Paul Millsap needs to stay healthy to be that eraser behind him and to make up for his mistakes. All those things have to fall into place. And we've seen shades of it, shades of it working, shades of it not working, I think, over these first four preseason games we'll see how it looks Friday against Chicago but too too early to tell I should say uh, in the preseason the second part of EJ's question there Malik Beasley versus Troy Craig Malik Beasley has definitely been one of the winners this preseason right he's been one of the guys who we had a lot of questions about coming into training camp what was his role going to be how many minutes was he going to play was he going to be penciled into the rotation on a night-to-night basis or would he be kind of this defensive matchup guy that the Nuggets go to at the end of quarters and for a possession here and there. I'm not ready to say he's going to be in the rotation for 15 minutes a night every night once a regular season starts, but he's probably done everything he can to gain Michael Malone's trust over the course of this preseason. He's been great on the offensive and defensive end, I thought. Yeah, Michael Malone had a, a really good quote early this week in practice. You know, he's talking about Malik learning to play within himself a little bit more and Malone you know told Malik right before the start of summer league like hey man I I know you're probably the most talented guy in the summer league roster but even though that's the case don't try to do too much you know lean on your teammates and Malone mentioned that he went out there and did exactly the opposite and it's not like Malik Beasley had a bad summer league there are a lot of bright spots there but he just made a, a lot of mental mistakes a lot of unforced errors that we saw from him last year which contributed to him falling out of the rotation towards the end of the season. And what I've seen, you know, in four preseason games is Malik eliminating some of those unforced errors and just taking the open shots when he's there. He's already a pretty capable defender. And the thing Malik has going for him is that he's a better defender than Juancho Hernan Gomez. And when he plays under control, he's a better offensive player than Torrey Craig. He's, you know, has the potential to be the best two-way player of those three. For sure. Definitely has the highest ceiling out of those three. Now, in terms of playing time, yeah, he's definitely ahead of Wancho right now. Right now, Wancho looks like the team's 11th man. In the last two games, Michael Malone's played 10 guys before Wancho Aaron Gomez has gotten off the bench. Now, Malone did have an interesting comment post-game after that Clippers game saying, hey, it's going to be tough to keep Wancho off the floor. I mean, it's going to be tough to get him on the floor, though. <laughs> he's playing behind Malik Beasley. If he's playing behind Torrey Craig and Trey Lyles, which – Definitely seems like he is right now. So I would think Wancho's this team's 11th man. Malik and Torrey Craig, maybe those guys are penciled in for similar minutes. I'd say Torrey Craig's probably likely to get more regular minutes than Malik as of now. But I could see a scenario, and I wrote about this today on bsndenver.com. I think the Nuggets open this season playing 10 guys or trying to play 10 guys. It seems like this bench has developed a really nice synergy, a really nice chemistry over the course of the preseason. 
that five of Monte Morris, Malik Beasley, Torrey Craig, Trey Lyles, and Mason Plumlee's playing really well together. They've been the better unit comparing them to the starters over the course of the preseason. Now, I think the starters will be fine once the regular season hits. We've got two years now of solid evidence to say Nikola Jokic is an elite, elite offensive talent. He's going to be better in the regular season than he's been over these past two preseason games against Perth and against the Clippers. Jamal Murray will be better. Gary Harrison, Will Barton, those guys will be fine. This Nuggets offense, and particularly the starters, will be great again, I can assure you of that. But the bench has been the story, and I wouldn't rule it out that Michael Malone goes to a 10-man rotation trying to play these five bench guys maybe a few minutes together here and there once the regular season hits. Am I crazy, or could you see that scenario too? Yeah, honestly, I I think I could. They've just been so excellent through – these couple of preseason games and it's been such a surprise too because the Nuggets struggled their bench struggled so much last year um, I, I believe they were 23rd or 24th in in bench net rating a season ago and just the way they've looked I know it's only a couple games but man it wouldn't surprise me at all if they're their top 10 in net bench rating this year um, you know Isaiah Thomas he's been sidelined this whole time they're doing this without him you know, Monte Morris is, to me, kind of the glue that's really held it together so far. Um, Monte Morris, he just makes everyone around him look a little bit better. Um, Trey Lyles is kind of the go-to scorer in that unit on my mind. He's looked so confident, you know, just no hesitation on, on those catch-and-shoot threes, which he was already really good in that area last year. And then he's just crushing mismatches, too. Um, there was a play against the Clippers where he set a screen and he got a smaller player on him. And he just went to work on the elbow. He took two dribbles and kind of did this this really pretty turnaround shot. He's playing with so much confidence right now. So they've been really fun to watch. And, you know, I, I'm kind of with you. I, I could see 10 guys out there on opening night. Now, Malik Beasley played 30 minutes against the Clippers. He's not going to be playing 30 minutes, let alone 20 minutes, I'd say, once the regular season hits. He's probably a guy who's going to get minutes in the teens. Same with Monte Morris, who played 24 minutes. Same with... Tory Craig, although he could creep into the 20-minute range once the regular season starts. The Stars are going to play you know, that 30-minute allotment. But you, know, you could see guys like Morris and Beasley, I think, sprinkled into this thing on a night-to-night basis. Thanks, EJ, for the question. we got a couple more to get to. Let's go back to the Total Beverage Fan Hotline right now. This is EJ Holloway from Jacksonville, Florida. Just a couple questions for you guys. Um, I'm looking at the statistics. I watched the Clippers game last night. I will say Boban was definitely the player of the game. Yeah, uh, it's crazy. Boban, player of the game. Um, these two bigs, between he and Harrell, um, both scored 62% from the field. Uh, both scored 14 points. Uh, both are rebound machines. Boban got 12 rebounds. Harrell, seven rebounds. First question, um, is this horrid defense against opposing teams' bigs going to translate into the regular season? I'm sure maybe to start, but where do you think individuals will improve, who will improve the most on the defensive end? And uh, overall, do you think that the Denver Nuggets' high-scoring offense, um, because we're a juggernaut, uh, will just overpower other teams by outscoring them and get W's that way? Um, Will Jokic improve his defensive prowess? Uh, That's my first question. Second question, I know that we've been in a debate over the last um, several podcasts 
regarding Tory Craig and Malik Beasley and whether or not they would separate from one another in uh, this minutes battle. Um, and you know what? Malik Beasley has made a great case. His offense is fantastic, and his defense is not bad at all on the perimeter. Um, you know, the guy played 29 minutes um, and had a decent game, um, scoring 50% from three. That's the stat that raises my eyebrows, not to mention the fact that he was 100% from the free throw line. Now, I will admit I don't remember how many he threw up there, but 100%. That's good for me. I uh, can't get any better than that. We saw the best we're going to see from Hernan Gomez, but I just don't think that um, he's going to be in the rotation um, at all. Uh, Monte Morris has another great game along with Plumley and Trey Lyles. Trey Lyles, I love this guy. 24 minutes, 15 points, 10 rebounds, 5 assists on 50% from the field. Um, I, I'd love to see this guy get more playing time, especially with Chandler and Fareed out. So what do you guys think? Tory Craig or Malik Beasley? Uh, love for you to play this question on the show. All right, guys. Have a good one. Thanks for the question, Jay. Yeah, what I want to hit on there is what he said about the Nuggets' small forward position. That's obviously their weak spot, right? Will Barton defending small forwards is definitely going to be the mismatch that opposing teams try to exploit. They had Wilson Chandler there last year. Pound for pound, he's a better defender than Will Barton. So the Nuggets lose one of their better defenders from last year. And, I mean, if I'm an opposing team, I'm definitely going to try to exploit that mismatch. Yeah, I mean, just look at some of the starting small forwards in the Northwest Division. Joe Ingles with the Jazz. Paul George with the Oklahoma City Thunder. Um, Jimmy Butler, I guess, if he remains at Minnesota Timberwolf. And, you know, Andrew Wiggins will probably slide over to the three if Jimmy Butler's not there anymore. I, you know, Portland... I don't think Will Barton has any trouble holding his own against Mo Harkless or Evan Turner, but it's tough. I mean, Will Barton has probably given up, you know, 25, 30 pounds on, on any given night, and the Nuggets are going to be awesome offensively. Will Barton is a guy who really, really understands how to play with Nicole Jokic. They have great chemistry in the pick and roll, um, but it's going to be tough for him and a struggle every night defensively. That's why I say, Christian, there's going to be – a lot of nights this year where the Nuggets have to win with offense, and there's going to be a lot of, say it with me, shootouts at the OK Corral <laughs> that the Nuggets will have to win. We know this offense is going to be special. Like I said earlier in the show, preseason, the starters haven't looked great. They haven't really meshed and had that chemistry and synergy that they had a year ago. I'm not worried about the starters. I don't think the Nuggets are either. I think once the regular season starts, they'll switch into another gear. They'll be fine. The Nuggets will have to win a lot of games that way, though. When it comes to the bench, I thought this was an interesting point Jay brought up, how the Nuggets play with their starters versus how they play with the bench. And we know with the starters, there's going to be that constant ball movement, constant cutting, constant flow that's made this Nuggets offense so special. With the bench, there's been that to an extent this preseason. But they're definitely running their offense through Trey Lyles, it seems, first and foremost. I point this out when I wrote about the bench for bsndenver.com this morning, every time the defense switches on Trey Lyles and he has a mismatch, you saw it against the Clippers when he had Jerome Robinson or Shea Gilgis-Alexander or Milos Teodosic on his backside, the Nuggets would pretty much abort whatever they were doing on the offensive end 
and kind of recalibrate around Lyles and try to get him the ball. Monte Morris was really good at doing that against the Clippers. Malik Beasley did that a couple times. So it definitely seems like the bench offense is going to be centered around Trey Lyles. And, hey, if he's going to keep shooting 50% from the field, if he's going to keep shooting 40% from play, if he's going to keep being this playmaker, Trey Lyles has had four assists or more in three preseason games already. He only did that three times during the entire regular season last year. So if he's going to be this type of player, this type of scorer and playmaker, yeah, the Nuggets should keep running their bench offense through him. Yeah, that's just a wild stat, and that is, has been definitely one of the more surprising aspects of this preseason. Trey Lyles being a pretty decent playmaker. I didn't know that he quite had that in him. He hasn't really flashed that before. I really like using Trey Lyles as a screener because it's easy to get him with those mismatches and – he did a good job last year of burying smaller guys down low and even in from the mid-range zones on the floor. And if he's going to be a little better passer, then that's only going to help. I also expect the Nuggets to go with a heavy diet of Mason Plumlee, Monte Morris, pick and rolls when they, in the reserve unit yep. with Trey Lyles kind of spotting up. Um, I think that's going to be a really uh, effective weapon for them this year too. Lyles came into camp in the best shape of his life. He also just seems a lot stronger out on the court. He had a couple of nice moves against the Clippers where he'd get the ball in the post, put a shoulder into a guy and just to get like a couple feet of separation. Didn't really see him do that a ton last year. And then with Monte, he just seems to be the glue of this second unit. Yeah, they're running most of their offense through Lyles. Uh, Malik Beasley's getting out and transition a lot. When they're in the half court, Monte's really taking control. He's running his team really well. And honestly, that's not surprising based on what he did in the G League last year what he did over his college career and what he did at summer league and through training camp. It's funny to see all the Mon the love Monte's getting nationally too. I've seen Sam Vecini, um, Chris Herring have both kind of given him a shout out on Twitter, both really saying similar things that he's just such an under control player. He looks like he's a guy who's going to have a pretty long, nice career in the NBA. For sure. Let's go ahead and take our second break. We'll be right back to answer one more question from the total beverage fan hotline right after this. The biggest benefits of CBD are our cognitive, our neuroprotection, neuroregeneration, anti-inflammatory, and then a lot of the most common situations that, that people are taking it are for pain. That is Arthur Jaffe, a former CU Buffs football player and founder of Elixinol, a Colorado-based company focused on providing the highest quality of CBD oil and hemp extracts in the world. Like Arthur mentioned earlier, CBD has significant medical benefits and isn't limited to just athletes. Everyone can take it, from adults and children to even your dog. I wished I would have learned about it or that it would have been more prominent at a younger age to potentially have, have given my father a, a significant opportunity to fight prostate cancer, which ultimately took his life when I was 13. You know, I really think that it would have helped him. Arthur and the folks over at Elixinol's mission is to educate, inspire, and empower others to live naturally healthy, happy lives. To learn more and join the CBD conversation, check out Elixinol.com. Back here on the BSN Nuggets podcast, presented by In We Go, the subscription that can get you into almost any event in Denver. Harrison Wind alongside Christian Clark, Thursday edition of the show recording at Sports Column. Let's go back to the Total Beverage Fan Hotline. We got one more question. Hello, this is Corey from Florida. I was wondering about Vladko Chanchar. 
we know we have a deep, a team that is uh, really deep, and we have 11 players that can possibly play on any given night, and the team only gets deeper as uh, as this season progresses into next season, and then we have a decision to make with Blacko Chanchar. And I know how much you guys love his game, but where do you see him fitting or breaking into the rotation? I know you can't see what will be happening next year, but uh, what scenarios do you do you think would allow him to to make the team next year? And what kind of impact do you think he could possibly have on our team next year? Thanks. Bye. Thanks for the question, Corey. When it comes to Chanchar, we talked a lot about him this summer. He was obviously one of the stories at Summer League. People that were around us at Summer League, I could tell had enough of us talking about this Vlatko Chanchar guy. I'm pretty sure people after Summer League thought we were just making him up, that he didn't exist. But he's real, and he's awesome. He was great at Summer League. I think he'll be on the Nuggets roster next season. How will he factor into the rotation? It's tough. I mean, this year he wouldn't have a spot in it. Next year... Who knows who the Nuggets will bring in back? So many things can change. It's tough to predict right now. But, I mean, another year of development for him. I'm not ruling out that he could be in line for minutes next season. Yeah, I mean, you look at the roster now, and there's definitely a need for guys whose natural position is small forward, you know. Um, that could change last year, next year when Kevin Durant signs in Denver and then <laughs> Will Barton slides back to his normal role is six man of the year. Uh, I'm just kidding. Um, You're not kidding, though. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, Chanchar, it, it's just really early. Let's see how he looks in, in over in Spain a little bit this year. But, I mean, just from the couple games I saw in Las Vegas, he did look like a guy who could contribute at the NBA level one day. Um, man, it, it was crazy how fast uh, he sculpted his body, too. That was, like... In two months, he just went from flabby to jacked. Yeah, it's like he was on P90X for the three months he was in Denver or around the team this summer. Yeah, Slovenian McLovin. You can't even use that nickname anymore because he's just a beast now. (laughs) That's a great nickname. (laughs) Yeah, but I think we'll be on the team next year. It's tough to predict in terms of minutes. Like, there could be some guys on this rotation right now that aren't on the roster next year. There could be imports that Denver brings in through free agency that are on the roster getting consistent rotation minutes this year. It's too tough to tell, but I wouldn't rule it out. I wouldn't rule it out. I think he's that skilled of a player. He, he seems like an NBA player to me. He seems like an NBA caliber player that can play on the wing, kind of got some Joe Ingles vibes to him, maybe not as much as a passer, but just kind of play in that same role as a guy who can shoot it and create a little bit. Yeah, I mean, he, he fits in with what the Nuggets are trying to do, you know, right. plays team ball. Harrison... I'm so glad I got to wrap up our Thursday show with Vladko Chanchar talk. Yep, definitely a great way to end the show. And that's how we'll end Thursday's show this morning. Thanks for listening, guys. Nuggets take on the Bulls Friday in their final preseason game. We'll have a show recording after that preseason game wraps up, probably available Saturday morning. But we'll talk to you guys then.